about what I'm teaching about today. Uh, today we're going to move into some joy. And let me mention two things to you before I get going, because sometimes you just have to take care of business. Those of you who are interested, those of you who are going to be involved in the financial peace class this next week, um, if, you, if you haven't paid yet, if you haven't bought your kit yet, you're still welcome to come to the class, but you won't have any materials because we'll only have materials for those, for those who have paid. So if you're interested, in, if you're going to come to that and you haven't paid for that yet, you, you need to do that. Also this week, uh, Lamplighters is opening Man of La Mancha, and it's a, it's a powerful show. It's, it's a wonderful show, and I, I just encourage you to come Friday night, Saturday night, 7.30, Sunday at 4.30. Stand with me. We're going to read a couple of passages of Scripture. One of them, hopefully, you've just about got memorized by now. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now listen, when I say hopefully you got that memorized, that's not a joke. Because this is, this is some news you can use. This is information for your life as you go through it. These are the things that are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read a passage from Nehemiah now. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy cho choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your joy. I thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would touch every heart. I pray, Lord God, that the, 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 the deadest, coldest, hardest heart that came in here today would be touched and moved and made soft. And Father, I, even those of us who don't know where the dead places are, quicken them. Making them make them alive, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. One more thing, turn to somebody. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and then you can be seated. Okay. Now, I didn't tell you to turn it like ten people. I just said somebody. That's singular. We live in a fairly joyless society. If you don't believe that, go shopping the day after Christmas. Look around, well, maybe not this Monday, because there won't be anybody to see, but look around on Monday morning, you know. Look, look around on, on just about any time uh, while you're in the checkout line. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Most, a lot of places, fairly joyless society. Whenever people go on, uh, on short-term mission trips and come back, one of the things that generally really strikes them is the fact that 
where I just went, people were, what's that, what's that called? They were like, they were like joyful. Like, I mean, it was like they didn't have anything but like, uh, uh, am, am I saying like too much? Uh, they like didn't have anything, but they were like, you know, laughing and like, you know, joyful and like, like that kind of thing. Uh, first time that I ever went to Zimbabwe, I was there for a couple of weeks and came back and ran into one of the, uh, this lady who had been at our church. I say had been at our church, she attended our church. She didn't know I'd been gone, which told me she hadn't attended our church in a while because I was a worship leader. But, uh, you know, I told her where I'd been and everything, and she said, wow, I bet you're glad to be back. And, yeah, I was glad to see my wife and my kids, but it hadn't even occurred to me that, oh, because what she meant was that it was rough being over there. No, it wasn't. It's different. But one, those of you who've been to Mexico, can I get a, can I get a witness? Okay, yeah. Used to, that was amen, but woo, we'll do. Yeah. We, we, live, in a, we live in a fairly joyless society. Uh, and one of the reasons is because we, we don't really pr- particularly know uh, what joy is. Joy is not happiness. See, happiness... Depends on what happens. And most of you already knew that. If your team wins, you're happy. If, you get a, if, you're, if, if, if your team uh, loses, you're not happy. I remember when I was a kid, uh, and um, UT used to be good. And, and I was, and they're getting there. We're, we're, going, we're, we're coming back. I mean, I haven't abandoned ship, all right? But this was like top 10 every year. And, you know, if they would lose, you know, I'd come to church the next day just, you know, I mean, that was a double whammy. My team lost and I had to go to church. <laughs> and it seemed like just about everybody else there felt the same way as well. You get a raise, wow, you're, you're happy. Things are feeling good. Then inflation happens. You stop by the, the gas tank or something. Uh, when things are going our way, when life is flowing in our direction, we're happy. But the problem is, life doesn't tend to flow that way often enough. You know, we'll, we'll, it'll, it'll flow that way just enough to get us kind of thinking that, ooh, this is, this is pretty good. And then the next thing you know, it's, it's down the drain. It, it's, it's, it's doing one of these numbers. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is in our Declaration of Independence. And, and our Declaration of Independence, is, that's, that's a nice document. And the freedom to pursue happiness is a great freedom, but is happiness worthy of a life pursuit? Probably not. Don't think so. We talk about oxymorons here occasionally. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But uh, we're going to talk about them a little bit again this morning because they're fun. They're, they're, they're fun to mess with. Of course, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the old chestnut is jumbo shrimp, but an oxymoron you know, is, is two words or sometimes more than two words that are put together that on one level don't make any sense, but on another level it's kind of like, uh, okay, I guess they do. So you know, here's, here's some others. All alone. 
How does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, bird dog, make up your mind. Which is it? Civilized warfare. Really. You know where the most civilized, the, the only thing I've ever heard of in terms of warfare that could be called civilized at all was the way that warfare used to be fought by the southern tribes of Africa back in the Dark Ages. What we call, it was the Dark Ages in, in, uh, in, in, in Europe, but the way the southern tribes of Africa would, would fight in those days was the men from this tribe would all dress up in their best stuff and they'd stand over here and the men from this tribe would all dress up in their best stuff and they'd stand over here and then they would have a dance-off. They would have a dance-off and a yell-off and whoever yelled and danced the best won and then they all went home. That's the truth. That happened that way until... So Shaka came along with the Zulus and said, let's kill some people. Yeah, but civilized warfare, go figure. Dodge Ram. <laughs> it's kind of like the Big Ten meets the SEC. Um, <laughs> just had to, had to say that, didn't I? Uh, even odds. Two, four, six, eight, one, three. First service got that. Uh, guest host. Uh, and and this, one, this one I bring up every time that I do this, but I will always bring it up because it's absolutely one of my favorite ones in the world, and it's Microsoft Works. And that one... <laughs> I, but I finally figured it out because that name was created back in the days when hallucinogenics were very popular. And one that's got more than one word in it that comes up a whole lot today is pure 100% orange juice from concentrate. Let me add one more to the list. How about this one? Lasting happiness. Ever heard that phrase? Yeah. Ever experienced it? No. There, there is a reason why happily ever after is relegated to fairy tales. And actually, it's not, really, I think in some, in some, some levels, fairy tales really are kind of a, a, a peek through the curtain to what it's really supposed to be like in the world, but unfortunately we don't, live in that world at this point in time someday we will but we don't right now so how do how do we pursue happiness what's what's the the method of going about it what sort of things do we go after pleasure anybody oh, uh, I'm not this isn't a trick question yeah that's how people pursue happiness although that's not a good idea because the kind of pleasure that you have to pursue isn't really going to give you back what you're what you're actually wanting um, Man of La Mancha's got some great stuff in it, got some great songs, got some great speeches. And one of them, uh, the, the character Don Quixote is, is saying, take a deep breath of life and uh, consider how it should be lived. He says, call nothing thine own except thy soul. Love not what thou art, only what thou mayest become.
And then he says, do not pursue pleasure, for thou mayest have the misfortune of overtaking it. Because the kind of pleasure that you have to pursue once you overtake it, it's got you, you see. The, the, the kind of pleasure that brings happiness is the kind of pleasure that sort of, uh, you sort of stumble upon. It's, it's that smile that that, that that baby gave you that you weren't expecting to get from him. You know? it's, 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 it's in the fall when you go around that corner and you see that grove of trees that you just go, wow, wow. I was walking out of uh, um, Cool Springs yesterday and, and it, was, it, was, it was so neat. There was this family in front of me and there was this boy. I, he must have been, I don't know, he, he was, was a young teen and uh, you just don't expect to get this kind of thing out of a young teen. But he was going, wow, look at those clouds. That's so, that's so black and there's just, this, oh, that is so cool, mom. Do you see that? Do you see it? I'm going, yeah, that is, that, you are so cool, kid, <laughs> to even notice that. And, and express it that way. Uh, so there are some pleasures, but, the, you know, not, not to go after them. Money, uh, probably we shouldn't even waste our time going there. If money was what brought it, then Howard Hughes would have been, you know, the, like the happiest guy in the world instead of one of the most uh, unhappy in the world. But, and as much as we know that that's not it, I mean, we know it. As much as we know that, we still, boy, it's just so hard to not go after it. It's so hard to not go, well, yeah, that, that's obviously the job I want. That one pays the most. You know, I, I won't be able to see my, my kids for, until they're out of college, but, you know, I, I'll be making more money. Fame? Eh. How many of you think it'd be cool to be famous? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we got a few people over here. Thinking about, how many of you are famous? <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> yeah, if I don't know your name, don't you tell me you're famous. It's, it's just that simple. Well, it, uh, and, of course, the problem with fame is it turns you into a commodity. And it ain't fun not fun all, all of a sudden people they they no longer know you or even want to know you they what they want is that thing that they think you are and it is a thing okay those were easy what about family there's a lot of happiness to be found in family it really is but you know what Every time that I am counseling with a young, starry-eyed couple getting ready to get married, you know, they're just like, yeah. And they are. Yeah. I always tell them, there's going to be a day when you're not going to be happy about this person. <laughs> Seriously. You're not going to... It's not going to be like every day for the rest of your life unless you, like, die next month. It's not going to be every day for the rest of your life that you're going to go, boy, I'm so glad she's my wife. You know, and, and it's not going to be every day that you go, he's my husband, you know, kind of thing. It, there are just going to be some days that you go, how did I get married to a jerk? Just saying. 
And kids, I mean, you, you know, you bring that little bundle of joy home, and it's just so, oh, yeah. And then you just start changing poopy diapers and not sleeping, and then they get old enough to discover what money is, and that you are the source of it. And then, they, and then after they spend all of your money, they leave. <laughs> I'm not against happiness, okay? But I'm against deceptive branding, false advertising. And happiness isn't joy. Our society is joyless because we often don't even know what joy is. We only know about happiness. And the church is not really necessarily any better. It doesn't necessarily lead the way. I love this picture. There's a couple of reasons why I love this picture, despite the fact that no one is smiling in it, which is one of the, one of the things. But, I mean, it's so real. Like, the front row is empty. You know, now, I mean, ours is doing pretty well. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I know about that. Front row is empty. The, I, you can't really see because it's, it's too far away, but uh, there are two people looking at the camera, and they kind of favor. On the, on the fourth row there, there's a, there's a boy in a red shirt who's looking at the camera, and then there's a, there's a man in a white shirt near the back who looks just like his grandfather. I, 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 <laughs> they both appear to be the same. And then in front of the guy in the white shirt, two rows up, there's a lady who almost has a grin on her face which makes you wonder what she's thinking about. <laughs> and one of the reasons why the, the, for the glumness is you can't really see it, I don't think, because, uh, but the clock, it's noon. <laughs> but y'all don't care about that, do you? Yeah. Actually, though, I think this picture was posed uh, rather than a candid shot because everyone is awake. When people heard the law of the Lord in Nehemiah's day, their inclination was to weep. They, their default was to mourn and, and to grieve over hearing the word of the Lord. And we, and we still tend, tend to go there. When, when I first came to the, to the church here, it was months before anybody cracked a smile. It, it really was. I wasted some great material on those... <laughs> All those people, you know, just, you know, Shelly, don't you? I mean, yeah, nobody would do, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's typical of the way that it often is when, when, the, when the word of the Lord comes. And I understand, I understand contemplative worship, and contemplative worship is great. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going somewhere, you know, with, with smells and bells and, and all that, because that, that's contemplative worship, and that's great. But I'm talking about the night of the living dead, which is often what you end up experiencing when you, when you go to churches some, some places. The, the spiritual leaders had to encourage the people to celebrate the word of the Lord. Listen, how great is our God? You know, it, we, we serve a big, powerful, wonderful God who can do anything. And not only that, He loves you. He loves you. I mean, think about that. All the, all the movies you see with the, with the um, um, non-earthly powers 
coming down to visit us. It's virtually always they've come to destroy earth and, and kill us and everything. It's not that way. It's not that way. The other, virtually all the other religions, they, they serve gods, and they don't know about God loving them. I mean, it, they're sweating it, man. It's like, I got to do this right. I got to do that right. I got to get this. Got to be sure I bring enough and, and put it on the altar there and sacrifice enough. And man, boy, I sure would hate to see him and everything. He loves you. The, the Word of God is telling us God loves Thomas. God loves Mike. God loves Paula. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows everything that's going on in your life, and he loves you. When you consider everything that's going on in your life, you don't even love you. But he knows, and he loves you. He cares about you. He's, he's, this, is, this is good news. This is, this is good stuff that's supposed to be considered here. There is, there is a time and there is a place to, to mourn. But, hey, it's not hearing the word of the Lord. We're, we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The spiritual leaders in Nehemiah, they had to encourage the people to, to rejoice. And spiritual leaders need to do that today. If you go on the internet, if you go to Google anyway, and Google images of Christian celebration, you will be very disappointed in what you will find. Because I spent like 45 minutes going, Christian celebration, okay, what, if, maybe it's Christian rejoicing, maybe, it, maybe religious celebration, oh no, those are all Hindus, maybe... Uh, Christians having fun Christians and after about 45 minutes I went Springhouse Worship and Art Center you know <laughs> and why not why not seriously sorrow and sadness and weeping and crying are mentioned 125 times in Scripture. Joy, rejoicing, gladness are mentioned 436 times in Scripture. Okay, there's a time and a place for doing the weeping and the sorrow. But it looks like it's about a like four to one ratio, almost. And we don't tend to hit that very often, but it's true. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Where does the power come from to follow Christ in a fallen world? Without, without when, when Margaret and I were, uh, were dating, when we were courting or whatever it is that we were doing before we got married, but from the time that I met her and we had our first date until we were married five and a half months later, every day I basically woke up and I was a world beater. Bring it on. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, and, and she lived in Brentwood, and I lived in Millersville. Now, you talk about the other side of the tracks. I was on the other side of the tracks, and, but I, and it, was, it was 25 miles from my door to her door, and, and I'd drive to her, to her door, and we'd hang out at her house with her, her mom and dad, most of the, most, actually, 
not with our mom and dad as much as possible, but, but we, we, it was their house. We'd hang out at their house, and then it, usually I would leave right at midnight. I'd get back home uh, around 12.30 and go to bed about 1. I'd get up around 6 and go to work the next day, and I felt great because I was so darn full of joy. It didn't matter what else came. When you got that kind of joy, I mean, you can, you can make it. But you head, you head into a day with a heart that's heavy and full of grief and sadness. And boy, it's hard to walk out your door. Where does the power come from to live for Christ in a crazy fallen world? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's, that's, where, it, that's where it comes from. Without joy... All the power that we have is us. And that won't get you very far. Even Jesus drew from this, from, from, from this power, the power of joy. It says over in, in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the, the only one who did it perfectly, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. You don't have to endure the kind of opposition he had to endure. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How did he do it? For the joy that was there. For the joy that was set before him. And so therefore, let me, this is, this is really where I needed to go here today. Joy is not incompatible with hardship. Happiness and hardship have a very hard time coexisting together. But joy is not incompatible with hardship at all. Over in 2 Corinthians, Paul was speaking about conflicts in the church at Corinth. And he said, in all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Any of you ever been involved in any church conflict? People on this side have, and some on this side really have. Uh, it, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, when that kind of stuff happens, I mean, that, that, that leaves some, some deep wounds often. I know, because I hear the wounded from time to time. Paul was a walking church conflict waiting to happen. I'm serious. I mean, almost every situation he walked into, buddy, it, was, it just followed him around like a cloud. And he goes, in all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. There's, there's, a, there's a source in there. There's, a, there's an artesian well that's flowing that the drought can't touch, can't get close to. This, this is a mind-blowing verse. He's, later on, he's talking about the Christians from Macedonia. And he said, in our most, in, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I mean, think about that verse for a minute. The key words are severe trial, extreme poverty, overflowing joy, rich generosity. Talk about an oxymoron. That whole sentence seems to be one. And yet, it's true. Paul wasn't making this up. Paul wasn't saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if this... He went, there's a whole group of people over here. I know that this is exactly the description of them and what's going on in their lives. 
There's more. <laughs> There's a lot more. First Thessalonians says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. In the midst of severe suffering, the message comes along and the Holy Spirit breathes on it and joy. Joy. Everybody's favorite passage, James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You believe that? You know, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird. I was thinking, I was considering this week, you know, I I believe the Bible. The Bible is the authority for my life. I mean, that, that's the ultimate authority. If the Bible says it, I go, yep, there it is. Um, but I'm not as literal as, as some people are. I mean, my, I'm, I'm pretty literal, uh, you know, but clearly not everything in the Bible is supposed to be literal. I mean, when Jesus said, hunger and thirst after righteousness, he was speaking figuratively. He was speaking poetically. And, and there, are, there are other places. But, you know, I mean, I believe Jonah got swallowed by a great fish. I believe that uh, the Red Sea opened up and the Israelites walked through on dry ground and uh, the Egyptians followed them and got drowned. Drowned. <laughs> In Tennessee, it's drowned. Yeah. That's plural for drown. Anyway, if one person drowns, they drown. But if, if it's two, they got drowned. I believe Adam and Eve are real people. I mean, you know, I just do. Now, you know, if you don't believe that, that's okay. I don't think that's on the final exam. But, you know, I believe it. But there's a lot of people who believe that literally. But really, when, when, when Jesus says, oh, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me, I go, well, that's not literal. <laughs> he literally mean that. Yeah. Ooh. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> and, that, and that really doesn't have hardly anything to do with this sermon. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> Except, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That's literal. He means that. There's, there's nothing. James is the least poetic book in all of Scripture. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus spoke often of joy. I got I got I to hurry up here, and, I, and I'm going to, uh, I mean, uh, but set the scene very quickly. Within the next 24 hours, Jesus knows that one of his 12 closest friends is going to sell him, literally, to his enemies. He knows that one of his three closest friends is going to deny that he even knows him. I mean, talk about just when I needed you most. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to happen to him. He's going to be, he's going to have a, have a false trial. I mean, you know it. The thing is going to be more rigged than those cameras at the traffic lights down in Murfreesboro. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a totally false trial, no justice in his life. And, and, he's, and he's going to be beaten literally to death, and then he's going to die the cruelest way they can possibly kill him. Knows that's going to happen in the next 24 hours. And he's, and he's talking about joy. John 15, this is John 13 through... 17 is what he had to say during that time to his disciples. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And I don't think he said, 
I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Your joy may be complete. No. No, he, he, he literally had it. Uh, John 16, he, he says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. There is a temporary time of grieving, but grieving is always a temporary thing when you're in the Lord. I will see you again. No one will take away your joy. And as he's praying to his father, he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. August was the hardest month of mine and Margaret's life since January of 1985. In January of 1985, we had uh, made the commitment to go to Zimbabwe, and actually on December 31st of 84, um, Arwen went into the, our, our, our daughter, our only daughter at that time, went into the hospital with spinal meningitis, and for the next two or three days, we weren't sure if she would live or die. And then for the next three or four days, we weren't sure if what kind of damage was done. And, you know, she spent 10 days in the hospital. And our, heart, our house was up for sale. And, you know, we were leaving uh, behind a lot of security and things like that. I mean, it was, it was a hard month. But you know what? When it happened, we were able to look at it. And, you know, Margaret and I both just kind of looked at each other and went, we know what this is. We know what this is about. This is, this is nothing in the world but the enemy attacking. This is spiritual warfare. And we know when the enemy attacks, it's because he's scared. He doesn't attack when he's not scared. He doesn't attack if, he, if there's nothing going on. I mean, if you're not a threat to him, he will leave you alone until he's ready to kill you. And then, then he'll take you out. He'll off you. But... Otherwise, it is. And so we went, wow, this is, this is, this is hard. This is kind of exciting. And, and like I said, this last month uh, on a bunch of different levels has been very hard for us. Uh, you know, some ways some of y'all know about. None of you, if you're not in our family, know all of the ways that it's been. But, and, it, and it's, you know, taken a little while, but we found, wait a minute. I know what this is. I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. Now, when we got on the other side of January of 85, we entered into a, a period in our lives that was just so rich, so, so thick with God, so blessed, so fruitful. And you know what? I don't know what's coming, but I'm looking for something rich and thick and blessed and fruitful. And when, when consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face all kinds of trials. Because it doesn't, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It, just, it means that he, he's there. It says over in, in Psalm 30, verse 5, and i got to hurry, but let, listen to me. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You believe that? It's true. He goes on to say, you've turned my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth, clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto you forever. 
One of my favorite verses in all the scripture, it's kind of a life verse, is 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And in fact, I believe the King James says an eternal weight of glory. Weight compared to light. But really, the, the two words there that get it in your spirit is momentary versus eternal. Momentary ends at some point. Eternal is forever. Eternal goes on forever. Okay, I've, I've, I've run out of my time, but please don't start looking like that congregation that we saw the picture of early because I'm almost done. Where does the joy come from? In his presence is the fullness of joy. That's what it says. That, that, that's where it is. And so there it is. You can't get joy by going after joy. Where do you get it? You go after his presence. And when you get in his presence, you discover that's where joy grows. You know, you don't get coconuts out of Canada. They can't grow those things up there. The atmosphere is not right. You got to go to where they can grow it to get it. Same, same thing. If you want some joy, the only place where it grows is in his presence. And oh, get this right. I, you know, I love a great worship service. I love when the heavy of the Lord comes down. I love the, the, the Shekinah. I mean, I've been in services where you just kind of, oh my goodness, this is, whew. Let's just build three tabernacles and stay here. Yeah. That's great. You need those from time to time. But that is not practicing the presence. You know, it's not like, oh, let's go get a God fix. God ain't a fix. God is a day in, day out, abide with me. With, with, lo, I will never leave you. I'm with you even until the end of the earth. That's what the presence of God is. And that presence is manifested in our lives by the person of the Holy Spirit. Without the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God's just a concept. With the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God is real. One last verse. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. When the enemy comes in like a flood, when it, when it feels like the wheels are coming off, if this is in your spirit, if, if this is in your heart, then, okay, the wheels may come off. I, I may just have to fly. Because maybe that's what God wants me to do. All I know is that, that what I'm seeing right now is going to be gone tomorrow. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No, no mind has conceived the eternal weight of glory that God has for us, which produces a joy unspeakable full of glory. Would you stand with me?
For those who are going to pray with people, come forward, our, our elders and their wives and staff and those of you who've uh, been assigned to do that. You know, I, I uh, almost felt badly sharing that this last month had been a hard month for us because it has been, but I'm sure that there are people here who had a harder month last month than we did. I'm just, I know there are. You just didn't get the chance to get up and tell everybody. Uh, God wants to sustain you. The presence of his spirit and the joy that that presence brings is available to you. And if you need some, some reinforcing, or maybe you need a miracle. God does miracles. God, you know, God heals. God speaks. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe you need a miracle. Anything you need, you, you come. Come and be, be prayed for. This is, this is a day that is sacred to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're having trouble finding that, if you're having trouble walking in it, don't be embarrassed. Come. Come. If you need to know Jesus, you don't know him as your Savior, come. That's where it starts. And you say, well, what about this Holy Spirit thing? Well, the reason why you want to know him is because the Holy Spirit's in there tugging on you. You wouldn't even want if he wasn't doing that. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. You come. I fix my eyes on you. Yes, I do. The author of my faith, casting aside every sin and every way. I fix my eyes on you. I lay my burden. Letting the cares of this world.
altar's still open. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. To the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might have life, who sent the Holy Spirit into the world so that He might live in us. May He be all over, all around you, inside you. May He flow through you, bringing life and joy through Jesus Christ our Lord.